Are you happy? Are you deep down satisfied with the person you are, how you're living your life, and the future as it appears today? Do you have a passion? Is there any one thing in your life that is so important that it makes prioritizing everything else simple? If the answer to any of those questions is no, do you have any idea why? Welcome to the Vera Moore Speaks podcast. I'm your host, Dawn Keegan, co-founder of the dating app Veramore and the nonprofit app Hero Harbor. Happiness, mine and that of others, is something that's always been very important to me. I've devoted my life to understanding how we take the things life throws at us and combine that with our own special gifts to come away with an experience that, while not always perfect, is one we are proud of and allows us the fewest regrets and least amount of heartache. Whether through my personal musings or conversations with guests, the aim here is not to find a one-size-fits-all to-do list of change, but instead a mindset that lessens our fear, reduces judgment of ourselves and others, and frees each individual to build the life that truly represents happiness for them. You're here with your host, Dawn Keegan, and today we're speaking to Deborah Gwartney. She is the author of Live Through This, a mother's memoir of runaway daughters and reclaimed love. Welcome, Deborah. Thank you. Um, if you don't mind, could you start by telling us a little bit about your and then tell us why you wrote it and what message you're, you know, what, what you hope to achieve with it. Sure, I'd be um, glad to, and thank you so much for those questions and for your interest in my book. I'm really thrilled. It's been around a while, so it's always fantastic when somebody rediscovers it. <laughs> um, it I, um, I guess I'll start by saying that um, I was a single mom uh, of four daughters and, you know, young. I was um, 34 when I divorced their dad. That I could move to Oregon from Arizona and start over and all would be well. And I was just too young and naive to understand that I was quickly spread far too thin to handle all that was there. I didn't have any family or even friends and in Oregon, and um, so I stumbled along, and, you know, in retrospect, now that I've had plenty of years to look back on it, I think what happened is that I um, I concentrated more on the two little girls, you know, they were, um, they needed, a they all four did, but the younger ones, just their needs were more pronounced or more obvious to me, and it's not that I ignored the older two, but I thought, oh, they can get along they're they're self sufficient, and I just kind of let them wander off without uh, really keeping good tabs on them. I mean, I'm mostly new with I'm I'm over generalizing here, but I was at work every day, and they come home and uh, kind of do their own thing. Anyway, they fell into a group of young people in um, Eugene, Oregon, that that just convinced them that they would be embraced and, and uh, accepted and, you know, no rules, no no problem at all. And so when they were very young teenagers, uh, 13 and 15, they kind of got sucked into this uh, group. And then, it, it, and then I spent a lot of time trying to 
pull them out, and it just became worse and worse and worse. And finally, when they were 14 and 16, they um, one night jumped on a freight train and uh, were gone. Um, they were with some of these other kids who called themselves travelers. And, um, you know, that the experience completely reshaped my life, my younger daughter's lives, and, of course, the older two daughters' lives as well. And they, uh, it took about three months for the police to finally find the older daughter who was um, sent back to me in pretty rough shape. But it was a year before I knew where my 14-year-old was. And um, and then it was a harrowing her to come home, um, which she did. She came home. They were both home. We went through a lot of many, many years of uh, work and talk and forgiveness to reach the point where we are now, which is, you know, we have, I'd say, a very strong relationship, still some bumps, but nothing serious. And... Uh, Gosh, you know, I guess I, I I'll, I'll just briefly say why I why I decided to write it. I I had imagined myself in, when I was younger as a fiction writer. I thought I wanted to write novels, but when I was in graduate school, I decided to take some classes from a woman named Vivian Gornick, who I now consider as the you know the the wonderful role model, the the chief of um, of memoir writing. And she's the one who introduced me to this concept of memoir. I was about 29 at the time, and I thought I'd never even heard of this idea of memoir. And she, of course, had us read the very best of the best. And so I, um, being very curious about this genre, at the time I didn't really have much to write about, but um, when my daughter's were missing, I started sitting down and just writing out in the way that she had helped me understand memoir. And it, I didn't do it as a necessarily a healing tool or a cathartic. I just wanted to get the story down. And um, so I just kept doing that and doing that. And then I was publishing standalone pieces and journals and magazines. Eventually, I thought, you know what, I think there's a book here. And I didn't write it for other parents. I didn't write it for my daughters necessarily. I think I just wrote it because um, I thought it was a story of our time and our place. And and I, I wanted to express my deepest feelings about it. And I also wanted to challenge myself to be ruthlessly honest about my own role in the dynamic that's that's, so that's I an hope incredibly was. difficult thing to do, and you and I have to say you did a very, very raw in some some places, and and it was it 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 was an intense book, and I I will highly encourage my listeners to 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 read or listen to it. Um, so a um, couple of things, mm-hmm. you <laughs> bless your heart, you glossed right over something that was very significant for your entire family. You know, you mentioned being a single mother, but it was the divorce was a large part of the catalyst in what happened. It was and we see this so much, way too much when parents, mm-hmm. you know, my own parents did it. When they divorced, they each loved us, but they 
they used us and they they and I'm not they they just they didn't know they were dealing with their own hurt and their own struggles and their own confusion right. and then the kids Absolutely. got caught in the middle and and we 100%, do this, yes. yeah we do this you know we all are um, fighting to live our own lives lives are very difficult mm -hmm. no matter what mm -hmm. but sure. we and in, 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 in your case you were doing what you thought was best for the girl but at the same time, it was it was confusing and all for you, uh, or I mean for that, well for everybody. Um, so I don't know. I'm not sure how to ask you this. I, I don't want to put you on a spot to to say you know badly about your ex-husband or anything else. Um, but well, again, it was just the relationship. You know, he he actively um, sort of pitted them against, you know, you and such um, place in the book where, you know, he suggested to them that the child support he was paying um, should be theirs and, and, and to do as they please. And, and no recognition of the fact that, I mean, you were, you, you were housing them, you were putting food on the table, that sort of thing. And just the, the very nature of the struggle of, um, uh, you know, of living, um, and, and I guess, and again, I guess it was, you know, just confusing for them, but do you want to speak to that at all? Sure, yes, I'm, you know, first I want to say that I'm certainly not anti-divorce, I mean, right. people reach a point in their a divorce becomes necessary, and, and in fact, I think if, 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 if it's done well with, how, you know, with the help of therapy or, you know, a church or whoever you want to turn to, um, the kids can be okay, but I didn't do those things, and nor did my ex-husband. We just kind of, um, you know, came running at each other like two uh, bulls in the in the pen, you know, and and uh, without shamefully, without uh, anywhere near enough consideration of what that was going to do to our kids, and um, I think the divorcing poorly was at the center of this, and, and I'm glad you asked me about it. You know, I I, I just want to go back to a second about um, what Vivian Gornick taught me about memoir writing, which has really served me well in my life, too, which is that she was always reminding us that a reader has no interest in, in uh, listening to your defensive posturing, you know, to look how good I was and how bad that other person was. And reminding me always and the rest of her, the opposite of, you know, the antidote for defensiveness is self-curiosity. And so, you know, as much as I still have this hankering to mostly blame my ex-husband for what went on, um, I, I really try to challenge myself to think, okay, well, what was your part in this? You know, what 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 were you... And, you know, of course, he, he was blatantly being childlike in his behavior toward the kids, not only telling them, yeah, that money should be yours, you should spend it anyway. But when they would call him and, and be furious with me, he'd say, get out of there, just pack up your stuff and leave. You don't have to stay there. And that's what they did. Well, the irony being, though, that when they did get in trouble, um, he, you know, he wasn't there. He wasn't, um, and, and and again, this isn't this isn't to be ex-husband bashing. It's just that right, it, it, right. The one thing too, you know, I really would like for you to talk about is, and you know, they say they, I've heard more than once that daughters are much more difficult to raise than 
Right. Um, I, I say that I'm very thankful that my two nieces, their father is a uh, highway patrolman who accessorizes <laughs> guns like he accessorizes, like women accessorize purses. Um, nobody, uh, nobody will, you know, mess with my, my nieces. But um, the, you know, so, so you've got four daughters, each with their own personalities and each with their, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out who they are and such. Um, one, but one of the things that you talk about a lot, and I think especially our female listeners need to hear, is um, <laughs> my dog is asleep. And, um, no. So he's sitting there yipping. Um, is just the struggle, the, the constant tearing of your own heart, the mm -hmm. um, wanting, you know, people, you had people in your life saying, okay, enough is enough. You need to give up on them. You need to let them go. And as a mother... Right you know, exhausted, trying to raise the two small ones, trying to keep the two small ones from not going the same direction and right. yet not wanting and not being able to give up on your older daughters. Um, yes. Can you talk some about that? Sure. That's That was my big point. And, uh, you know, it was just, it was a little bit like, uh, you know, the Solomon's baby Solomon, right, who had to split right. the baby in half. Um, yeah, because I was looking at these two younger kids thinking they really need a lot of stability right now, but I was an emotional wreck. I just, I mean, there was, I don't think I slept for one minute that whole time. I just thought, where are these beautiful, darling, beloved girls? Where are they on the planet Earth? I didn't know. Um, and, you know, it's part of my frustration is, you know, just, Briefly again, and in the 70s, the U.S. Congress passed a law that decriminalized running away because the assumption was made that if a child run, ran away, he or she was escaping a, an abusive situation. Yeah. So what what basically the law says, if you go back and read it, is that the parents are always wrong. Right. And and so the 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 second a child runs away, um, you are considered as a parent their antagonist, and so there's help. I, I can't tell you how many meetings I had with police, and I was told, um, even if they're found, we're not going to call you, we're going to call social services. And so, you know, it was part of the great helplessness at that time that I was suddenly cast as the enemy. And I, I have heard from hundreds of parents who say the same, where is the help for me in all of this? Um, and yes, of course, some of these children are, are escaping abusive situations, but to be generally cast as like that is so disturbing. And innocent. That's right, and also it just it just digs into your self confidence as a parent. You know that I was already full of doubt, remorse, guilt, shame, and it that just added to it. You know, of course, I met some friendly and helpful individual police officers, but as as a system, um, it doesn't. There's no support and. Right. You know, and I, in the book I described going to several shelters where I'd heard that they were holed up, and they would not tell me if my child was in there because that's against the law. So, uh, On the one I, hand, I, I understood, I understood mm -hmm. the fact that they are there to help the kids, and if they got a reputation for turning the kids over to their parents, sure. then the kids sure. wouldn't come there. You know, they wouldn't feel safe. They wouldn't come there for, you know, and, right. and at the very least they were off the street. So I, I do understand that. But the complete 
um, lack of information or in most times it seemed you know lack of empathy at all um, <laughs> was just you know it just it was just shocking and of course the, the, you, you cannot escape is the idea that I mean, not the, the, yes, these are your children, but these are girl children. So not only mm -hmm. are we worried about their general safety, but mm -hmm. so much more, you know, women, girls can be taken advantage in so many other ways that oh we gosh. just don't even want to imagine it. And I, I have to know mm -hmm. that I have to imagine that, that that very literally kept you awake. And, oh, that's haunting. It was absolutely haunting. And, and, you know, they went through some pretty awful stuff, but... In the end, they turned into right. either they didn't get caught up in sex tra trafficking or prostitution or any of those things, which is such a you know, tremendous relief. I mean, they had at least, you know, they were strong girls and they weren't right. going to let themselves go that way. However, they did get into drugs, and it's the drugs that were, you know, ruinous. Well, and what's, and I know you, you experience this too, the, you know, the, crazy disparity between the you know the clean healthy um environment or well okay clean when you found them you know the dirty clothes the um you know the just the horrible conditions they were living in, and it's really hard mm -hmm. for us to imagine as parents why you would you know choose to go out time and again and live mm -hmm. this um you know and and it just speaks to their confusion and their um their just needing something else or need, you know, and, and like you say, probably in a large part, feeling, need, feeling the need to be accepted or, um, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. Now, since you guys reunited permanently? Oh gosh, it's been uh, 12 okay. years or maybe even more. Do you so still, yeah, I mean, it's been a good stretch. Do you still, um, you know, have questions or doubts or, I mean, do you still, you know, have, um, I mean, even after having, you know, sat and talked with him and things like that, I mean, are there still things that, um, that trouble you about the whole thing? Oh, absolutely. I, I will live in that state the rest of my life. And I tell them that, you know, I say when I go to a grocery store and I see a mom with her teenagers and they're kind of just, you know, teenage daughters and they're kind of hanging around her reluctantly but also wouldn't leave her side. You know, I see that kind of push-pull with girls and their mothers and I realize I missed out on that. I missed out on that really organic, natural separation that girls have to make from their mothers um, and and it can be a beautiful thing, I think, and gentle and sweet and, you know, with this, with this message fun to see your children leave you um, and, and you celebrate it at the same time but I didn't get that I just it was kind of a ripping away that um, that will never be solved in me I um, I do have good relationships with them my oldest daughter is a mom herself now and and that's helped us a lot but um, yeah, I, I have a lot of remorse about it. And the funny thing is, you know, once I when I finished the book, before it was out in the world, I, I gave it to the girls to read. Of course, this daughter came to me, and she was pretty upset. She said, Mom, why didn't you just sit down and tell us all of this? Why did you have to write it in a book? And I said, Mommy, I, I had to write it 
for years and rewrite it and revise it before I even knew what I meant. You know, like I, it wasn't something I just knew. I, know, was, I, I, I had to work it through a long yeah. time. That's what I was thinking when you were saying that earlier. I was thinking two things. One, I was thinking when, uh, you know, you're talking about you know, memoirs and, and such and, and, you know, wanting to be a fiction writer that they say about um, life being stranger than fiction and, and yes. it's like, you know, people always say you can't make this stuff up and you can't, you really no. can't. Um, but the other thing I was thinking is that in terms of the, the writing itself, and, and I found, I find this all the time, I only write about things that I'm very passionate about, but in the writing, I learn stuff about myself and, and it's in the, mm-hmm. you know, it's in the, the working and the reworking of it and, and because it, it makes you process through it. And so yes. you probably, part of the writing of the book was to help make sense of it yourself. Um, and, and sometimes yes. you don't even know what you're thinking until it's on the paper. Um, oh, that's so true. On the paper for the eighth time or something, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it takes a long time for me to understand. I'm, you know, I still publish a lot of pieces and um, and working on a book right now. And same thing. I'm a big reviser. It takes me years to just keep writing and say, what, yeah. what, do you, what do you mean here? What are you after here? It just takes a very long time. The magic is absolutely in the editing. You know, mm-hmm. they're you know, really good writers, but the, the, those of us who are any good at it all, we're, we're, what we are is really great editors. Um, you know, the, 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 the first, first, you know, like you say, time or several times through, it, it takes, um, you know, you have to learn what to put in and take out. But it, it's definitely, especially, I see, I don't have any imagination, so I can't, I just can't even think of writing fiction. But um, but the writing process is, there's there's a lot of angst involved, and, and I'm sure that you've, you've figured out a lot of things. So um, let me ask you this, too. So do you think that... And of course, every situation is different. Every every family is different. Every dynamic is different. But is there anything that you could offer as um, as suggestions? I mean, you didn't give up on your girls as much as sometimes you wanted to. And and actually, at one point, you had, had told one of them, "I am done. It's you know, I I can't do this anymore." Um, is there? Do you? Given the way it ended and everything else, are you comfortable with the fact that you didn't give up? Do you can oh. you offer any suggestions to you know people in that situation when when they're told give up? Yeah, I, I mean it is difficult. I again I get lots and lots of especially when the book first came out. I got many letters from parents saying, "Here's my situation. What should I do?" And I think I have. Did you read the book? I have no idea what to do. You know, I mean, right. the whole book is about I don't know what to do. I'm just going to stumble forward until a solution, you know, forms in front of me. You know, I, just to be so incredibly cliche, I just when I sit here and think about it, I think, why didn't I just talk to them more? I mean, I just would get so angry that I would kind of hole up in my room and they'd hole up in their rooms and. I, I, you know, we would talk sometimes, but why didn't I just force myself to just stand outside their door and say, I love you, I'm going to stay here as long as I have to, we're going to talk. Um, you know, I, I would try that and they'd shut me down, so I'd be shut down. You know, I just, those are the 
give up, you know, on a kind of a micro level and wish now that I hadn't. So I would, you know, it's communication that's, of course, the key, but I went to all kinds of therapists and most of that was a bust, you know, but um, uh, it's hard to find a good therapist. And LD, everybody knows all of this. And I, I would say that, you know, to, I think a big problem for me was that I hadn't created a community. I didn't have a lot of friends. And by the time the younger two got to be teenagers, I did have friends, and they were incredible. You know, we're going to take your kids to a movie this afternoon and give you a break. Mm-hmm. That meant the world to me. And, you know, I didn't have that with the older two. I was one person making a lousy income, scraping by, and stressed to the max, and that's no good parenting. So I'd say, you know, get a community around you and be uh, be available, more available than I was, and, and I'm ashamed to say that. And then also I remember a friend of mine saying, you've got to find more humor in this situation. Go jump off a cliff. What's <laughs> funny about this? Yeah. But, you know, I wish I had. I wish I'd found some way to just laugh at the girls and, and not at them but with them. To be fair, I, I mean, I, I think you're, just from my viewpoint, I think you're being a little too hard on yourself. I mean, it's, you, you, you did, with especially with the younger girls and stuff, you did. And anybody who's ever been a parent, even for a brief time, knows that, especially as teenagers, you don't speak the same language. Yes, I mean, you know, you say I love you, but, and in fact, you say it in the book, there were, there were many times that, you know, you tried to say things to them or you tried to reach them and they just, you were, you were speaking another language and you mm-hmm. were, you know, so it, again, I really believe that you did everything that you could possibly do and you hung in there, you know, and, and it, and it did work out. Uh, something that I really want people to hear from you, though, is that you you did yourself up, and you again you had times of just wanting to give up and things like that. My point is, is it's okay to whatever it is you're feeling, it's okay because right. there there are no you weren't prepared for that. Nobody, you know, I mean, you wanted to be a good parent. You brought those girls into this world thinking that you know, that everything was going to be, um, you know, the way it was supposed to. And then mm-hmm. nobody tells you how to make that happen. And you were throwing a curveball. So the, the point is that it's, again, whatever, whatever it's okay. Um, and it doesn't mean that you're a good person or a bad person or, you know, that you're at fault. We make our way the best way we can. Oh, yes, I really appreciate you saying that. And, it, you know, if I sound like I'm beating myself up, I'm I'm getting way better at that, at yeah. that as the years go by. I mean, mother guilt is potent yes. stuff. Yes. And, you know, not that many people talk about talk about it, this mantle of guilt that so many mothers carry around um, about our foibles and faults and to get better at it and and forgive myself for you know not being a perfect human being, um, and I, one thing that I do often do is look at these young women and think, oh my God, they're so amazing, and I had to have part in that. Right. Um, so you absolutely did. You know, some of it's nature, some of it's nurture. You know, the, mm-hmm. the very fact that 
you hung out, you hung by them, you, you know, you, you stood by them and um, hung in there for them, I guess is what I'm trying to say. It, that, you know, that, that gave you guys went through a terrible patch, but should they have anything similar or it doesn't even have to do with their own kids, but sh you know, <clears throat> they have, they can look to you as a role model and say, you know, mom was there. She was strong for us, even when we may or may not have deserved it, or maybe if we did or didn't want it, she was still there. And so you did serve as a role model for them. And, and the, and, and this is the other thing too, is if all that you see good in them, it does come a great, you know, again, whether it's nature or nurture, it does come a great deal from you. And, um, and, and, and you have to, um, take, you know, solace in that. Um, I do. And thank you so much for saying that. I really do. And I, you know, when they talk to me and they say, uh, you know, I love you so much, Mom, and I cherish our relationship, I believe them. You know, I know that whatever we went through, um, we got through, and uh, and we're stronger for it. And, you know, I even told a friend once, if we had to, if we had to walk through all that crap to find each other in this way, okay, that's what we had to do. Right. Yeah, I mean, you thankful for for the blessing that you guys came back together, and then it did work out, and that like that you know. But um, mm -hmm. anyway, and I, that they're alive. You know, there were yes. so many ways, so many times that they could have there they was, could have just perished. Well, yeah, I mean, there was in you know in the book there was a time when you know you had to just just say out loud the thing that you most didn't want to say that you know one of my daughters very well might be dead. I mean, I might get that call, or or I may may never learn it but that right you know, right just I can't I just can't imagine what a, a just a, an unbearable experience that had to be so it was it was it was um, harrowing for sure and and I also see that it was a healthy thing to do because the therapist I was seeing at the time said you you've got to face the fact that she might be dead and prepare for it because right. you'll you will completely fall apart if you haven't let that possibility into your you know blood and Tissue. Right. Well, it allows you in, at some to, to to move on to you know to, to right. you know at least in you know some way. And um, I guess I, I do want to go back and, and address one more thing. You mentioned mm -hmm. the counseling and how hard it is to find a good counselor. And and mm -hmm. I am such one of the biggest things I try to to get across to my clients and and to people is that we really really in the in our heart of hearts have to know ourselves and mm -hmm. then that a allows us to better hopefully communicate with those around us but by the time you showed up to see these counselors you had a lot of years under your belt you know three right, plus decades right. of experience sure. and you cannot you cannot get all that out to them and they can you know even i don't care how much education or anything else they have Right. You know, they don't know you. That's the thing is they right, don't know right. you. And they're filtering everything you say and anything your daughter is saying, everything else through their own, some education, but also some bias and some experience with people else they've worked with. But they don't know mm -hmm. you and they don't know what you're capable of. And if you know you're going to be your best counselor. Um, yeah, that's you know. a really great point. And, you know, we were, you know, we were walking in like three little balls of fire. I don't know how anybody was... Um, able to even speak to it. I mean, it was, we were in 
so much crisis that it was almost, it was just, you know, beyond help at that point and that, you know, let's sit down and chat about it. Um, I don't know, you know, I, I obviously I tried wilderness therapy and I tried foster care for them for a while to cool things off and, you know, only one thing helped and that was time. Yeah, and I mean, that was, it was very, and of course that was something else that added to your stress is that in, in attempting to, to pay for all those things, you were having mm-hmm. to, um, you know, out, get help from family and, and, and things that, that, that you didn't want to do either, which added additional stress and additional, um, you know, guilt for you. Um, and so, you know, again, I would just, I'm not saying to people don't go see counselors, but it's the same thing mm-hmm. with counselors and physicians and everything else. Be very, very. And, you know, not just because they have a, a, a title around their name does not make them the expert on you. And, you know, if it's just it's, it's a very difficult road, um, you know, everybody and everybody, you know, strangers or professionals alike will say, oh, we've got the answers for you. But nobody truly knows your family like you do. That's really true. And, you know, we did we did end up with just an absolute wonderful man who helped all three of us so much. And he did it in a very unconventional way. He would say, um, you know, to us, uh, you know, your ethnic heritage, where did you where did your forebears come from? You know, my last name is Welsh. And he said, go read some Welsh novels, go sing some Welsh songs, you know, get in touch with who you used to be, your people who are lost in a modern society, find out who you are in a different way. And I actually ended up loving that advice. And it didn't, it was kind of too late for my older daughters, but I read a whole bunch of Welsh novels to my younger kids and we, we learned some songs. And, you know, it was, it was a wonderful connection for us to make to, um, to this kind of ritual that I think everyone in this country is, or a lot of people are very hungry for. Well, and it also takes you away from the, you know, the, the everyday immediate angst and the soreness of those wounds that, you know, you're dealing Mm -hmm. with on a day-to-day basis. It it sort of lets you, you know, heal outside of, or, you know, without looking and, and, you know, because that's the thing. I think we often go to counselors or doctors or whatever, and... Um, it's, you know, just the very nature of walking through or it feels confrontational, first of all, and it just yes. pours salt in an already just, just horribly painful wound. Um, so you right. found a different way, you know, a gentler, um, and, and less direct, um, way to kind of, you know, deal with that. And, and, and it sounds like, you know, it was a good idea. Yeah, without it, you know, it, it worked in a minor way. I mean, it just, you know, it, but we, I think what I have tried to do is think a lot more about what are the traditions that we've established as a family. We just keep practicing those and, and um, you know, honor those because it is so binding. And, um, and it's funny because the second daughter who was gone for so long, she is probably the traditionalist of the family she, that she wants Thanksgiving to be the same way every year. She wants Christmas to be the same year. She wants birthdays celebrated in a certain way. You know, she's the one who's kind of fallen back and said, I need this structure of yes, how we've always done things. Right, the stability she felt she was missing back then. She, she mm-hmm. doesn't want to. And, you know, that, that, that sounds like a really good sign. It's like, you know, I want 
I, I don't want ever to go back there. And so this is, you know, this is the grounding that I need. This is the, the thing that keeps me, you know, here and, and in the present and, and just, you know, reminded of the, the positive aspects of family. Because there's, I mean, the best families out there have challenges. Um, sure, yes. Yeah. So, um, okay. For sure. Well, Deborah, thank you so much. And I thank have to you. tell you, you know, it, it really... It was it was painful, you know, listening to that. And even I was pretty sure it came out okay in the end. It was yes. there were a few times it's like I I, I wasn't a hundred percent sure that that the girls, you know, that both of them survived. And and there was right. you know, and so it was it was frightening. And I would definitely encourage um, you know our listeners to to read the books, uh, read the book because it it really does give you just some understanding or some acceptance that it's okay to feel anger and feel hurt and feel fear and all of those human things um, and yet keep on trudging anyway. Right, and you know, I, I thank the universe for those two younger girls every day because I think I would have just stayed on the floor, but I would look over at them and think, I gotta get on my feet and go to work and feed them and take them to art class and dance class and um, you know, make sure they have haircuts and clothes and, and, and it it just kept me going in right. such a profound way, and um, they just could not have been more loving and wonderful and supportive. Of course, they were scared to death about their sisters, but mm-hmm. the three of us together were a breakable unit, and I'm so grateful to them. And that's, I guess that's an important thing, too, is that, you know, whatever it is, find something, find your reason to keep going. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yes. Okay. Well, again, thank you so very much. Um, thank you. For my listeners, you can find um, us at Honestly Dawn on all the social media channels. Um, and we hope that you got some good information from here, anything that could help. Um, there will be a link to Deborah on the show notes and any other um, contact information she has chosen to provide. And again, you know, thank you again. Deborah. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this time with you. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for spending this time with us. If you enjoyed the content we shared with you, please subscribe, review, and share this show with your friends. Veramore the dating app and Hero Harbor, the social connection tool for heroes, are both in the app stores. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter as Veramore, Veramore underscore app, or Hero Harbor.